The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful. I am very sure we are all aware that he was no rabble rouser. That is, he was no troublemaker. Neither was the Apostle Paul, although he found himself in trouble. Sometimes, or in, our, in the societies of the world, Christians are often seen as rebels. And really like our master, we are no rebels. All that our master sought to do, that's Jesus, sought, sought, sought to do, was to reach out to people's hearts with the good news of the kingdom of God. So with no, with, 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 with no interest to sabotage anyone, any government, any party, any whatever, nothing of that sort. But because the message of the, of the goodness of the kingdom is a message of freedom. Often times when it's preached, it gets those who like to oppress and to do cruelty to other people find themselves in uncomfortable positions. So it comes across as if these people are standing against them. But unfortunately, Christians or the church cannot afford not to declare it's good news. People need to hear the good news. God really is waiting for us to complete the task that Christ began here on this earth. And to do that, 
we must preach, declare, and support the spread of the good news of the kingdom. Hallelujah. So what am I saying here this morning? Those of us who follow Jesus must relentlessly spread the gospel of the kingdom. I'll say that again. God is waiting on us to complete the task that Jesus began. Because when he came on earth, his task was to spread this good news of the kingdom of God. And what we who follow must do, must relentlessly spread the good news of the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen, a silent amen from everyone? Just a silent one. Amen. Hallelujah. So those of us who follow Jesus, we must relentlessly spread the good news of the kingdom of God. Who are we? Who are those people who spread or who follow Jesus? Who are those people? I know the obvious answer is going to be Christians. But not only Christians follow Jesus. In his day, he had people who were, so basically Christians are disciples of Christ. Right? So you say disciples follow Jesus. Because that's what disciples are meant to do. Follow their master. But we know that in the days of Jesus, not only, not, it was not only disciples that followed him. We have some skeptics following him. We have some critics following him. And they followed for what, re for what reason? So that they will have something to say. Because if you're not following, how would you have something to, to say? So we have skeptics following. Then we also have another group of people that followed Jesus. Those were the people who in, uh, in John chapter 6, verse 6 to, verse 6 to, 6 to 66, Jesus refers to them as the people who, who like to hear nice, nice things. There were those who followed Jesus because he was saying some nice things that they wanted to hear. But the moment Jesus began saying some hard things that did not go down well with them, they said bye-bye to Jesus. But, so as you read down to verse 66, you see, from that time, many of his disciples, they went back and walked no more with him. But God wants to have people who will be relentless in their following. God is looking for people who will be obstinate in their following. That no matter the challenges that come along the way, 
they will be relentless in their following. That nothing can stop them. Because it is only relentless followers of Jesus who are able to spread the good news of the kingdom. Hallelujah. I would like you to come with me, please, to Luke chapter 8, verse... Luke 8, please. Luke chapter 8. Somebody said, look at Luke. Luke 8, verses 1 to 3, please. It reads, and it came to pass afterwards, right? It came to pass afterwards that he went through every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him out of their substance. So let's read it this way. And it came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women. Verse 3, last part, which ministered unto him out of their substance. Praise God. So he went through every city after, after, afterwards. And it came to pass afterwards. After what? If you've been journeying with us in the book of Luke, you would recognize that prior to this chapter, he has raised a dead woman's only son, he has healed a servant's son. He had done many other miracles. And now, and he, he, he seemed to have had a liking to Capernaum. And you, we, we would all have expected that by now, he would set up a headquarters in Capernaum and just stay there so people would come to him. But here we find Jesus going from where? Every city, verse 1 please, go in every city and village, every city and village. The Luke is very careful to tell us that it wasn't just a random, you know, trip he was making, but every city and village doing one thing, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Hallelujah. And as he went, certain people were with him. That is, they followed. They went along with him. Who are these people? And we said that certain people follow Jesus. There were Christians, there were critics, there are all kinds of people. But this morning, our focus or our interest is on the Christians who follow Jesus. Now, for the sake of, of from, from our text, because of our text, Luke chapter 8, verse 1, 1, 1 to 3, I would want to group the Christians into uh, under two camps. Or yeah, I want to 
group of Christians in two camps or under two categories. The first category are those who are called to preach. So the Christians who follow, there are those who are called to preach. And then there are, other, there are those who have been delivered from evils. Then you say, Pastor, is your category really a category? Because the second one seems to take the first. Yes, it does. And I know that. That everyone has been delivered from some evil and set free to worship. But for the sake of the text, I want to keep these two categories. Those called to preach and teach and those who have been delivered or made free or set free from some kind of enslavement or evil spirit or diseases. Basically, people who have been touched by the power of God in one way or the other. I know that we've all been touched because we are all Christians. We've been saved from sin. So that is in its form, that, that in itself is a form of deliverance or, or being set free from something. But I'm talking about those who who can testify and say, I was down with the sickness. I was down with this disease. I was being troubled by this evil spirit and his power has set me free. So who are those called to preach? In the text, verse 1. In the text, please come with me. Those called to preach... In the text, in the text, Luke says, and it came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom, and the twelve were with him. Those called to preach are those that Luke refers to as the twelve. The twelve. Now come with me quickly if you would please to Mark 3 verse 14. Mark 3 14 please. Mark 3 verse 14. Mark 3 14. And he reads. And he ordained 12. That they should be with him. That he might send them to preach. And he ordained 12. So it is this 12 that Luke is referring to here in Luke chapter 8. Now if you, if you, if you come with me to chapter 6. Luke 6 please. Luke, Luke 6 verse 12. In Luke 6 12 it reads. And it came to pass in those days. That he went out into a mountain to pray. And continued all night in prayer to God. Now watch what happens here. Jesus spent all night in prayer. And when it was day, verse 13, he called unto him his disciples. And out of them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. 
Praise God. And these we know to be Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, the elder. We have Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Arthur, and Simon, the zealot. And then Judas, who is a brother of James, the elder. And then we also have another Judas. Right? Luke 6, 12 to 16. We have Judas Iscariot. So there were two Judases in Jesus', in Jesus group. So the name Judas is not always bad. Only one was bad. Praise God. Actually, there was a bishop some years ago called Judas. People think that the name Judas is so bad, they never use it. You call Judas? No, change your name. Well, there was a Judas who was a brother of John the Elder who, who was still fine. <laughs> Praise God. And that is the reason why the distinction was always made. Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed, oh sorry, Judas Iscariot, right? Which was the traitor. He is always distinguished. What a place to have in scripture. That anytime your name is mentioned, he is described properly, the traitor. So Jesus spent night, the whole night praying that he will pick these men. And why did he pick them? He picked them so that they will be with him. Hallelujah. The whole program was that they will be with him. And also that he will send them out to preach. So when he came to earth, his plan was not to do the work alone. And then when he's gone, then that's it. He intended that people will continue the work after him. So he chose some. He prayed for them. Although one eventually became bad. Someone said, out of every 12, you get one bad. So he, he prayed for these people. And they were supposed to understudy him. So this is a principle that we see in scripture. That when he came, he chose people to be with him close by his side. Learn from him. And do the work with, with him and continue the work after him. Paul later will learn the same principle. Hello. Paul will learn the same principle. He will have people like Timothy. He will have others always traveling with him. Actually Luke was one of the people who were traveling with him. But there is one particular case that is very interesting. It is a case of John Mark. You see, in Acts, we understand that Paul did most of his traveling with Barnabas. In Acts 15, 36 to 40, something happens. They had a companion, they had someone who was following them, that's Mark, John Mark. But in following, something happened and John Mark could no longer go with them. He basically turned his back. And then later on, he wanted in. He wanted to come back. So when they were going, he wanted to go with them. Or Barnabas was trying to take him along and Paul says, no, I am not going, we are not going with John Mark. Why? Because he led them halfway. They needed him. He was to be with them. 
What am I saying? I'm saying that there is a principle in scripture. That when we're following Jesus, it is following thoroughly. Here we have some, you know, they didn't like it, they just went back. John Mark following, I think maybe he was a bit, either he was tired or a young person tired or something. He lagged a bit and wanted to come back again and, and Paul says, no. We, when we need you, we need you. We don't want when we want you, you're not giving us, no, 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 no. Following must be all the way through, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you with me so far? So these are the people, so these are the people who are called the, the 12 or those called to preach. So there are those called to preach. They are to understand Christ and whatever the circumstance, you stick with Christ. Hallelujah. No backing down. Praise God. So if you've got a call of God on your life to preach or to teach the word of God, you let nothing stop you. Nothing on this earth should stop you. You follow all the way through. Why am I saying this? Chapter 8 verse 1 says that he went to every city preaching and they were with him. Every city he went through, they were, that, that, that means anywhere that the gospel must go, they went with him. Praise God. Then there was the second group. The second group was the, he said, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary Magdalene, Joan, and Susanna. Now, notice someone here in verse 3, Joanna. Joanna is said to be the wife of Chusa. And Chusa was a steward, an officer, someone in Herod's house. Now, can you imagine that Jesus had a disciple in Herod's house? Hey, there's no way he can't have disciples. Hallelujah. So let us never say, whoa, the house, they can't be saved. Herod's house, he had a disciple. Chooses why was one of the disciples called Joanna. And we also have Mary Magdalene, we have Susanna, and other certain women. Now, what Christ does here is quite unique. Well, it's not unique as it was not done, but it wasn't popular. It wasn't popular for, it wasn't popular for female, you know, to be traveling, to be, to be involved in the ministry of a Jewish rabbi like that. Those who did it, Face a lot of criticisms. But here we see Jesus had them. Now let me say this. If you're going to preach a message, you ought to make sure that your method tallies with your message. Sorry, let me put it the other way. Let me put it another way. If you're going to communicate something, you are going to make sure that you are using things that support your message, isn't it? 
If you use something that goes against the message, you are shooting yourself in, <laughs> in the foot. So why would Jesus choose women to travel with him in preaching the gospel of the kingdom when they are not supposed to have any part in the work of God? Hello. So he had them traveling. You see, it was okay for women to support. And that was what most of the women did here. It says in the verse 3, they supported him with their substance. They, they ministered unto him of their substance. Hello. There were those called to preach with him. And then there were also those who who have who, who've been delivered from all kinds of things and out of their gratitude, they followed him and they supported the work with their substance. Praise God. That means that in following Jesus, it is not, we don't only follow with amen, hallelujah. We follow with also our substance. In doing what? In pushing the gospel of the kingdom to go far. They supported him. I'm sure they will bring along, you know, some dates and, you know, uh, patched corn and all kinds of things. And they had money also to buy certain things. These women were very, they supported that. Praise Jesus. So what are we saying here? That the followers, some are called to preach. It doesn't mean that those called to preach cannot give. I'm not saying that. But I'm using this to make a distinct that there are some called to preach. And there are others who probably, might not, you are not called to preach. And because you're not called to preach, doesn't mean you have no part. You support with your substance. That is why I am making the distinction. Other than that, there's no point in me making a distinction. But it's to make the distinction that uh, those who preach, because oftentimes it is those who preach that are said to be doing God's work. But then there are others also who support in the spreading. Some may not preach, but they will go and prepare the place for the spreading of the word. Hallelujah. In the church, we have a special group called ashes. Their task, they prepare the ground so that when we gather like this, the spreading of the word can go smoothly. Praise God. I use it as an example, but I'm talking about on the larger scale. Now there are those who prepare the ground. Sometimes they will go ahead like some of the disciples, they will, they will go ahead and prepare the, the, the place. Set, set, set things up. So that when it is time for, you know, the declaration of the goodness of the gospel. Oh, sorry. The goodness of the, of the kingdom, there are no hindrances. Praise God. So when you find yourself supporting in any aspect, in expanding or spreading or advancing the, the kingdom of God, understand that you are doing what God expects us to do. 
Be glad about it. And let's do it with all our hearts. And if you found yourself to be in a place to teach the word of God or to preach it, do it with joy. Do it with hope. Do it with enthusiasm. Hallelujah. Do it as someone who's been given the greatest task. I mean, the glorious task. How wonderful. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the good news. The ground may be hard, but still, say what God says, say. Hallelujah. Sometimes, looking at people's faces and the way people respond to things and people's behavior, we change the message. And we make the message, the good news become bitter message. We look at people, well, you are so dull and you're not good. And so we change the whole thing and we, and, we, and we make it so brittle. And then the message just falls here and then passes there. But Jesus, the Bible said, preached the good news or the glad tidings of the kingdom. I want to stress that today. His preaching was the glad tidings of the kingdom. So those who follow, we fall into these two parts. Now, I'm using the word relentless. Why am I focused on the word, am I saying relentlessly we have to do this? Because everywhere the master went, they went along with him. They followed through. They were, they were supporting, they, they, they were there. He said, other times he would send them, go ahead and preach ahead of me, I'm coming. And they would do that. And, they would be, and there were others also supporting with, all, with their gifts in, in different ways. And that is what the work of the kingdom is all about. So with the word relentless in our title means to be persistent, to be obstinate, you know, to be set that you will not be deterred, you will not be put off, that you are bent on going forward and forward only. Hallelujah. You are bent on the master's task and nothing it's going to set you back. He went about preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom. Of the kingdom of God. Now, kingdom of God. When we say kingdom of God, what do we understand by that? Sometimes some people say kingdom of heaven. Others say kingdom of God. And sometimes we ask us, are these the same things? But there is one thing you will notice about the use of kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. That should help us here. Matthew is the one who often uses the, the word kingdom of heaven. But you see Mark and Luke will use kingdom of God. So why is Matthew consistently using kingdom of heaven? Because Matthew is a Jew. 
And Jews don't use the name of God anyhow. So he used the word heaven, which in their mind is still God's throne. So when they say heaven, they're referring to God, but a safer for, for them. So Matthew used the word kingdom of heaven, but you find Mark and Luke using the word kingdom of God, but the same thing. Praise God. God's rule, God's reign. Now I want to... I want to de define the kingdom of God in this way. The kingdom of God, which is mentioned here in Luke 8 verse 1, is the loving, I'm taking this definition from Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 and 26 and 28. The loving control of God that brings the best out of people and enables them to establish the best conditions, actions, and activities in their lives and societies. I'll say it again. The kingdom of God. What is it? It is the loving control of God that brings the best out of people and enables them to establish the best conditions, actions, and activities in their lives and in the society. So basically, the kingdom of God is a loving influence that God exercises over people to bring the best out of them and equip them to become instruments in his hands for good. So the kingdom of God is not tyranny. The kingdom of God does not oppress. The kingdom of God is a loving influence of God over people. Bringing the best out of the people. And enabling them to establish their best conditions, actions, and activities in their own lives or in, 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 or, or in society. Praise Jesus. Now, we understand in Daniel chapter 4 verse 44 that God has said before that he will set up a kingdom on this earth. And that the kingdoms of this world shall all be done away with and his kingdom shall reign. So what Jesus is doing in his day is well understood by the people who know prophecy. Hallelujah. Then in Luke chapter 4 verse 42 to 43. Christ declares very, very clearly. He says, and when it was day, he departed, into the, he departed and went into another place. And the people sought him and came unto him. And stayed him that he should not depart from them. And in verse 43, he says something. He said, and he said unto them, I must preach the what? I must preach what? The kingdom of God to other cities. Why? For this reason am I sent. So why did he come? To preach the kingdom of God. 
And then in Luke chapter 9, which we read earlier on, in Luke 9 verse 1 to 6, when he sent the disciples, he sent them to go and to preach. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Verse 2, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he preached the kingdom of God and when he sent the disciples, they were to preach the kingdom of God. Not their own ideologies. Not their own something. Hello. Remember, he had not died yet. Remember, he's not been to the cross yet. He came preaching the kingdom of God. And he told them to go and preach the same thing. Now, after he rose from the dead in Acts chapter 1 verse 3. In Acts 1 verse 3, when he is risen from the, from the, from the dead, this is what he said. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. After resurrection, he was still talking to the disciples about things concerning the kingdom of God. Why? That they will preach the kingdom of God. Remember, Daniel has said, God will establish a kingdom. And in this kingdom, God himself will rule in that kingdom. Oh, this is good news. Hallelujah. If you understand this, this is good news. And what is the understanding? No longer is a man going to control you, going to control with, with your oppression and cruelty. I, God, I'm going to rule you directly. Hallelujah. That was what I began initially. But Israel said to me, oh, no, 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 no. We want a king like the other nations. We don't want you. We want a king like the other nations. But in the New Testament, you know, in Christ Jesus, there is a return to the rule of God called theocracy. There are all kinds of crises around. All kinds of rules. But God only does one thing. It's called theocracy. He rules. Some people think that democracy is in the Bible. Someone said, among the worst, it is the best. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm against democracy. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is that God's rule is theocracy. God's intention is to have his controlling influence on your life directly. Hallelujah. God's plan is to have his influence directly upon you and upon me as individuals. Another time for that. But let's keep on. Praise God. And then in Acts 8 verse 12. 
in Acts 8, 12, when Philip went to preach, right? But when they believed Philip, preaching what? The things concerning the kingdom of God. And the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So when Philip also went preaching, what was he about? The things concerning the kingdom of God. Later on in, in Acts, 20, 20, Acts 20 verse 25 and Acts 28 verse 31, Paul will also preach the kingdom of God and Christ. But what am I saying here? What I'm saying is this, that Jesus <laughs> came for one thing. He came and he made it clear himself for preaching the kingdom of God am I sent. And Paul caught it. And Paul here in 31 says, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which, which concern the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. As Paul kept preaching the kingdom of God and the things concerning Christ Jesus, nobody stopping him. His last days. So basically, what I'm, what I'm saying is this. That in following Jesus, our task is also is to spread the message, the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Because that is what he came to do. That is what he sent the disciples to do. And all those that came after him, they also did the same thing. They preached the kingdom of God. They preached about the king who is God. And they preached about his reign, his love and control. Hallelujah. This is the good news. God. And his loving and the loving control that he exercises over people's hearts. People are suffering. People are in trouble. Many are weak. Many are sick. Plagued by all kinds of things. What people need to hear is the good news that God brings. Hallelujah. Sorry, is someone hearing me here? Christianity is about the good news of the kingdom. And mind you, when God tells you, stop sinning, it is good news. Because sin is like AIDS. It will kill you. Hello? You see, when Christians tell you, don't remove the ancient landmarks it is good news why because if you move the ancient landmarks you know <laughs> you will get a disease a disease has got no cure hello okay that is a preacher's code let me decode There are ancient landmarks that God has put in place. What is ancient landmark? Ancient landmark doesn't mean something that is so ancient that it must be, you know, thrown away. 
Ancient landmarks refers to the principles. The things that God has set in stone, in place, that must not be changed. And there are certain unchangeable things in the earth. Things that are unchangeable and no man must change. Your eyes must be exactly where God puts it. It's an ancient landmark. Keep it there. Your nose is perfectly where God placed it. Don't try to put your eyes under your feet in the name of science and development. Oh, whoa. I want to see what people are saying at my back. So I'm going to put one, one eye at my back. Oh, I'm going to put one eye here on, on top. Something will fall on it. Or your nose. You want to change the nose. Instead of pointing down here, you want to turn it upside down. So that it, look, it looks up. Rain will go into it. It might sound very funny. But it's not, you know. Because what God meant to bring out feces from the body, people are today telling us it's an entrance for a man to go through. That is silly and stupidity. God have mercy. Absolute nonsense. And then you tell me, I must teach my children to accept that. So they will become sick. It is for bringing out poo and feces. Let me put it this way. It is an exit, not an entrance. Praise God. So Jesus preached the kingdom of God. Basically, God's rule, God's principles, God's values, God's nature. What God wants to see in the earth. These are the things he preached. That would include, like Paul did, the things about Christ, sorry, the things about the kingdom and about Christ. But the gospel is not just about dying on the cross. It's part of it. But the gospel, the goodness of the, of the kingdom is about everything about God and his principles and what he's doing in the earth. Let's not restrict it to just dying on the cross alone. So anything else, don't, don't talk about it. God have mercy. You see, when Jesus had a conversation with Pilate, Pilate said, so you are a king? He said, yes, my king, but my kingdom is not of this earth. My kingdom is spiritual. Hallelujah. So while they are fighting us, 
Thinking that we are coming to, well, we are trying to rebel against them. No, no, no. We are talking about a spiritual kingdom that rules in our hearts and minds. Hallelujah. The kingdom we talk about, the, the power, the authority we, 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 we talk about has to do with God's rule in the mind and in the hearts of people. That makes them live in freedom. Okay, let me come clean. God never meant for you to be controlled from the outside. Full stop. God never meant for you to be controlled from the outside. You're meant to be ruled from the inside. That and, that, and he is the one that does that from within. That was why when Israel said, we want to kill like any other, God, oh my goodness. Samuel was sad and God said, Samuel, they've not rejected you. It's me they've rejected. You don't want me to lead them from the inside anymore. And that's why now people don't seem to know what to do. Because they've left. They've left. They've left their source. And now they're looking for something else. Praise God. So, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. And he went to every city and village. He left none of them untouched. He went to every city and village. Indicating that he was very careful about every one of them. He was relentless. He went to every one of them. And those who were following went with him everywhere. Indicating that God wants us to do the same. That to spread the word. The, the goodness of the kingdom everywhere. Every, almost every word. But what is this message? It says glad tidings. What? Come back. What is this glad tidings? Preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom. He preached it. He declared it. The glad tidings. What are the glad tidings of the kingdom? So that when we are preaching, we also know that yes, we are indeed preaching the glad tidings of the kingdom. What is it that, the, that enables the disciples also to preach the same thing? What is it that made Paul also preach the same thing? What is it? So when you are telling someone, preach the glad tidings. Now, glad tidings simply means good news. So what will make you know that this is the good news of the kingdom? First of all, I want you to understand this. There are ten things I'm going to show you here. Ten, ten things. The first one. Jesus made us to understand that the kingdom of God it's a theocracy. That the kingdom of God is a theocracy. If we look at Luke chapter 11 verse 12. In Luke 11 verse 12 in, in the prayer. He says, when we are praying, we, we should pray like this. 
Praise God. The prayer of Jesus. In the Lord's Prayer. Let me take it from Matthew, please. Let me take it from Matthew. Praise Jesus. Let me take it from Matthew. Matthew 6 verse 10. It reads, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is were in heaven. Matthew 6 10. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he makes us understand that you see, God wants his will to be done on earth. He is the ultimate ruler that his will be done on earth. He is God almighty that his will be done on earth. So first of all, we understand from this thing that Jesus Christ shows us that, you know, the kingdom of God is a theocracy. It is God's will that rules. Hello? What rules is God's will and no other? And we know that the will of God is always pure and perfect. God's will for our life is always good. It seeks the best for us. In Jeremiah 29 verse 11, he says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of war, peace, and not evil to give you an expected end. So God's will for your life and for my life is always good. Hallelujah. That's God's will. Number two. Jesus also showed us. He showed that God's health care plan. Hello. He showed us God's health, God's, God's health, health care plan. That is that in the kingdom. How? He casted out devils. Healed the sick. Cleansed the leopards. Praise Jesus. He did this by personally healing the sick. What he was doing here was this. The diseases and sicknesses that the doctors cannot hit, that the medical science cannot heal or deal with. Jesus Christ said, I can deal with them. Remember, remember there was a woman with, a, with, an, with, an, with, an, with an issue of blood. And the Bible said that he had spent all her money. And for 12 years, he was, she was no better. She touched Jesus and was healed instantly. So Jesus, by this, showed us that, hey, in the kingdom, God has a health care plan for you. That when doctors can't help you, there is help in the kingdom of God for your condition. 
There's healing for you in the kingdom. You've taken the other painkillers, it's not going. It says, I have healing for you. I personally heal. Praise God. So when you are telling people that there's healing in the kingdom of God, you are preaching the kingdom good news. You are spreading the kingdom good news. Number three, he also showed us the benefits of the kingdom. You know, every kingdom, every country, has, every nation has benefits when you're a citizen. Isn't it? Every nation has benefits. When you come into this country or the nation and you want to access some benefit, they will ask you, are you a national? Well, this is for only not nationals. The same thing, there are benefits in the kingdom of God. Now, the thing is, the benefits that are in the kingdom of God, there is no nation on the earth that can offer them. Hello? No nation. There is no nation on earth that can offer you the benefits that God gives in the kingdom. What are these benefits? Number one, comfort. Comfort. Read Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 12. You can come across comfort. Jesus Christ says what? You will see God. Now, tell me what country, nation, promises you that it will help you see God. Hello? But Jesus Christ says, in this kingdom, you will see God. Mercy. Mercy. Mercy? Huh. Have a problem. And go to those supposed to help you. And woe betimes you, go and cry. It is your tears that annoys them even, even most. You can see a woman with, a, with three children by her side, weeping and say, help me, I'm in need. And they tell you, well, the computer says. Computer says. Yes, Christ says, there's mercy. There is mercy in the kingdom for you. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. When you go yourself in a ditch, when you go yourself in a, in, a, in a very tight place and all men have turned their backs on you, Christ says, there is mercy in the kingdom of God for you. Glory be to God. And let me ask you, what country, what nation promises you child of God status? Tell me, what country? No nation on the earth can ever promise you that they will make you a child of God. But Jesus is in, the, in this kingdom. You are made a child of God. Hallelujah. Now, 
If child of God has not hit you, let it hit you now. I am talking about you, you are you are the child of the CEO of the whole world. The one that said, let it be, and there was. When there was darkness upon the face of the deep, and he appeared and said, let there be light, and there was light. When there's darkness, he can say, let there be light. When you are in darkness, you can be sure of light. When all is doom and gloom, you can be sure that your father will come and give light. And you will be okay. When he says it is well, it is well. He said, I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. I will lift you up with my right hand of righteousness. And I love this. He said, I will contend with those that contend against you. Child of God's status. God is your father. No nation, no country promises this. But we have this in the kingdom of God. Before I continue, let me ask you, which kingdom would you want to be in? Which kingdom do you want to identify with? No matter what book they give you, black, blue, brown, yellow, orange, indigo, whatever color, Roy J. Biff, it cannot give you what the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God gives you only one pass. The blood of Christ has cleansed you and washed you and filled you with the Holy Spirit. Our pass book is not physical. It's a work done on the inside. The blood cleanse the heart and the Holy Ghost filled and sanctified. Qualifying you as a bona fide child of the living God. That when the enemy comes against you, say, hey, God is my father. What are you going to do? Sometimes we talk too much. Hello. So the enemy get a chance to just play around. Sometimes when he comes, say, you know what? My father is in charge. I'm not even going to bother. I'm not even going to answer you. Hello? In your mind, God is my father. He's in charge. He takes care of me. I'm not going to be answering you. There's no time. There's no need to answer you. Amen? Amen. Number four. <laughs> in this kingdom... He shows us our purpose. Hello. The best, the best that countries and nations of this world do, the best they do is put you on a course, put you on an on a, a, a education program that... <laughs> they put you on an, on an, education, an, education, an education program that takes you away from your purpose in life. But in this kingdom, our purpose is clearly revealed. Some of you, you were born to bring music to bless the world. Meanwhile, you are doing accountancy. And you sit in the office 9 to 5. And you are 
spoiled. I mean, you, there's no life in you. You wake up to go to that job, dragging your body, taking coffee to keep you awake. But the moment they give you a song, even when you are feeling so miserable, all of a sudden, you will come alive. That tells you. You're in the wrong job. Your work is in this field. You see, he shows us our purpose. He says, we are salt of the earth. We are light of the earth. We are not here for nothing. Hallelujah. In the kingdom, our purpose is revealed to us. He says, you are the light of the earth. You cannot be hid. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Without you, the salt. Sorry, without you, the earth will be destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah. You are the very reason why, even in your area, things are still standing. Because you are salt of the earth. And you are light. You think your prayers mean nothing. It is very possible your prayers is what is sustain the area that you live in. Things would have been that bad. People, people are complaining. Where is God? Where is God? Hey, where is God? We are here. He's working through us. What do you mean, where is God? We are the salt of the earth and light of the earth. And God is preserving things because we are, we are here. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Rejoice, precious one. For we have good news in the kingdom. You see, number five, he shows us that in the kingdom... Everybody and anybody can be great. Hello? And everybody and everybody can become great. He shows us how. You see, in the world that we live in, unless you belong to a certain elite group, greatness, forget about it. Hello? Unless you belong to some class, greatness, you work so hard and they'll tell you sorry. But in the kingdom, Christ shows us the way to greatness. He says, hey, the way to greatness, I show you, practice and teach what God commands you. Matthew 5 verse 19. He says, practice and teach people the things you are practicing. What God commands you, practice it and teach it. That is the path to greatness. But the nations of the earth will tell you, unless you come to this college or belong to this group, rising up is going to be a challenge. In the kingdom, he also shows us how to deal with the two deadliest passions in the earth. The world does not help us. 
anger and lust. Christ shows us how to deal with them. Anger and lust. The two of the deadliest passions in the earth. Matthew 5, 21 to 30. He also shows us the discipline and the order that we need in marriage. Hello? Marriages, oh my goodness. So much attack against, against it. And people enter it with all kinds of ideas and all kinds of things. But he shows us the discipline and the order. He says, except for fornication, don't divorce. Discipline. You didn't put pepper in the soup. So I'll divorce you. Go. No. He says, be disciplined. Except for, 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 for fornication, do not. And then later on, it, it, it talks about oath. If you give an oath, keep to it. Talking about the same thing. You made an oath with this ring. I the word. <laughs> that you will be mine forever. That was an oath. Keep it. Hello? You see, so when you are telling people to keep and maintain, and then he says, hey, to help you, if someone is divorced, don't marry them. It's all in there. Hallelujah. He also shows us how to overcome retaliation and how to love our enemies. Matthew 5, 38 to 48. You see, retaliation is a tool that the enemy is using consistently in our, in our earth to destroy our, our society. He did this to me. I'm also going to pay him back. Huh. You wait and see what I will do to you. Sometimes they won't say it. But quietly, they are executing retaliation. They call it tit for tat. Butter for kinky. Hello. But he shows us how to deal with it. This is the good news of the kingdom. That we can preserve our societies, our relationship, and our homes. Preserve things. Because in the earth, at the moment, things are falling apart. But there is hope in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. There is hope in the kingdom of God. I'm proud about the kingdom. And I'm proud I belong to it. Why did I hear this story? A group of Christians 
who've gotten to a nation that doesn't allow the spread of the gospel of Christ. So the police were all over the town searching people's passports and all kinds of things. And, and I think they were hunting down those foreigners that have come into the country. And I think these guys were Americans, right? And so they came to them, came into the coach, and said, passport, 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 passport. And they showed them. And they realized that they were Americans. Then the boss, I mean, the, the chief of the police among the group saw that one woman had something wrapped up in a paper. So he walked to the woman, and it was Bible, so they were in big trouble. The man went there and said, can I see that? And the woman handed the thing up, and she, she knew it's a, it's a Bible, and they are in trouble. Open it. And the police officer opened to a page. He, he opened the Bible to a page. And then he gave it to the leader of the group. And he pointed something to him. And the verse he pointed to <laughs> said, our citizenship is in heaven. <laughs> that was a text he pointed to the leader of the group. The guy didn't understand. The guy was messed up. And then later on, stood back and said, he mentioned his country. Me, no, me, no citizen of this. You, no American. Hey, hey, let's go. Do you know what he did? He was a Christian. He was a, a Christian policeman. So when he saw that they were Christians, he was telling them, you are not American. You are a citizen of heaven. And I am not a citizen of this country either. So he told the team, let's go. It was later on, it dawned on them. Ah, that was what he meant. Hallelujah. What citizen are you? What is your citizenship? You see, oftentimes we use these labels here on this earth to label ourselves. But the truth of the matter is that our citizenship is of heaven. Bible says very clearly we are pilgrims here on this earth. Praise God. And we have a mission. And the mission is to spread the good news of God's kingdom. And you see, number nine, the world has lied to us that God is dead. But in Matthew 6, verse 5 to 13, Jesus Christ shows us that in the, in the kingdom, God is not dead, He's alive. And we can communicate with him and receive results. Hallelujah. In the kingdom, we are made aware that God is alive. And how do we know he's, he's alive? He hears prayers. He's not material. God is not physical. When we talk to him, he hears. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
And then in, finally, in Matthew 6, verse 25 to 34, he shows us God's welfare plan. Hallelujah. He shows us God's welfare plan. And he says this, Don't worry about what you will eat, nor what you will wear, nor what you will drink. Don't even worry about tomorrow. Don't fret your soul worrying. Worrying yourself sick. You are so down and battered. You're feeling helpless. But he says, take no thought about tomorrow. For the Father knows that you need these things. Don't worry, he says. God's welfare plan. Don't worry. God has your well-being in control. Your welfare is well taken off in the kingdom. This is the good news that we must pass on, we must spread. That is a good God. Hallelujah. That your sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. Hey, do you know where my sins are? Should I, should I tell you? My sins are nailed on the cross 2,000 years ago. I don't have them anymore. You come searching, you won't find it. It's on the cross. So are your sins. And so is your sin. It's been nailed onto a cross. The cross of Christ. This is the good news concerning you. The good news about the kingdom for you. Your well-being is taken care of by God. So he says, don't worry. Cast all your care upon me. For I care for you. I have you in my, in my hands. You are like the apple of my eye. I hold you in my hands. I will see you through. As you pass through this world. I will comfort you. When the challenges come. I will soothe your pain. I will help you through it. When you must bear the pain, I will support you. When you must go through the hardships, I will bring company around you. It will hurt, but it will not kill you because I'm not finished with you. You've got something to do here for me here on this earth. You are to advance my kingdom advance the kingdom and spread the gospel of the kingdom the good news of the kingdom with your gifts with your graces with your substances everything that God made available to us hey this is the good news let's be relentless in spreading it let nothing stop us God bless you.
Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for healing. Wherever there are sicknesses, oh God, whether emotional, psychological, bodily, Lord, I pray for healing this afternoon. Oh, rise up on your feet, precious one. If you are here, sick in any part of, of your body, receive your healing. He's right by your side. He's touching you. See him touching you and bringing that healing to you. Receive that healing in, in the name of Jesus. Receive that You are also hearing me this afternoon, but you are not born again. You are not in the kingdom of God. You don't, you don't know Jesus. So you're not in the kingdom yet. You want to pray and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know I'm not in your kingdom, but I want to be in your kingdom. I've heard about the goodness of the, of the kingdom. I want to be part of this good news. I want to enjoy this good news. Save me. Yes, he came for you. He came that you might be saved. He came that you might come out of that, of that, of that sin and, and live a brand new life. I want to talk to him right now and say, Lord Jesus, save me. Forgive me my sin. Wash me. And have me as your own. Talk to him right now. The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful.